We all have dreams. Some people seem to live theirs while others seem to struggle. This is, however, merely a perception. What if you could get the answers you needed to execute on your dreams? Welcome to the Platinum Mask Podcast, a show designed to ask various young professionals just how they deal with their specific ups and downs. How does one young upstart navigate competing with name brand companies? Where do we get the best tools? How do we grow from our stress and anxiety? Most importantly, how do we properly utilize our cash flow? The Platinum Mask Podcast with your host, Grayson Mask. We wanted answers, so we're going out to get them and sharing them with you. Let's get right into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Checking out the The Planet Mask podcast. I am Grayson Mask. I have with me Kevin Crouch, who is from Ellis County Weather. And this was a conversation that originally popped off, um, you know, was able to kind of see Kevin on a few different local media platforms and really wanted to reach out because I've never, you know, had someone on the podcast to talk about, you know, extreme weather and kind of what goes into uh, the reporting behind it and also kind of what an average citizen can do when it comes to being uh, more aware and kind of preparing themselves for extreme weather, especially kind of in the DFW community and um, just in Texas in general uh, on kind of how, you know, quick things change from a day to day. So, yeah, I wanted to just thank you again, Kevin, for being able to take out the time today and uh, really kind of explain what goes into the role. Sure. I, you know, I love doing these collaborations. So thanks for having me. Well, I guess I really wanted to originally ask about, you know, I think I remember kind of saying a little bit about, um, you know, your background in growing up, but specifically like growing up as a kid, did you know you wanted to do something in like, I guess, weather reporting? So my story is pretty similar to uh, what you'll hear from a lot of storm chasers and broadcast meteorologists, uh, different individuals from different aspects of the industry. Uh, is that I was terrified of extreme weather when I was a child, but specifically tornadoes, severe thunderstorms, those kinds of things. I knew just enough to know that they were dangerous. I overcame that fear by learning more about extreme weather, learning more about how to be prepared, how to what to watch for, how to better understand what to expect. And so that carried me forward to be more fascinated by it because the more I learned about how it works, it's, you know, it, it's hard to not be amazed at, at the way that the atmosphere works and the way things go, especially in North Texas with the way the weather is always all over the place. And so uh, for me, that was kind of my track is, is I overcame that fear. And then I kind of went to the other end of the spectrum where now I'm very, uh, very fascinated by uh, all aspects of weather. And I, I didn't ask on like, so were you, uh, did you grow up specifically in North Texas? And like, did you ever have any like, um, I guess, uh, close encounters with extreme weather? Yeah, I grew up here. Uh, my family has been in Ellis County for literally over a century. So uh, very deep roots here and never really any close calls necessarily. Um, I've seen a few tornadoes and, and been under plenty of tornado warning polygons and that kind of thing. So uh, there's different experiences I have had with hail and strong winds and those kinds of things, uh, but never really had much of a close call. I've, I've seen a couple of tornadoes pretty up close, um, you know, at home, which is always a fun experience. But fortunately, I've, I've never really uh, had to uh, tango with any necessarily. Mm-hmm. 
And so when you kind of mentioned like on that idea of really being fascinated by tornadoes, extreme weather and kind of it being rooted, I guess, originally on fear, but um, wanting to be, become more knowledgeable about that. So where were you going to, I, I guess, uh, I guess, get more knowledge when it comes to extreme weather? And like, did you have to go into like, uh, I guess, formal training or formal um, education behind it? So as a kid, I just read every weather book I could get my hands on. I did research online. I uh, watched pretty much every broadcast, you know, whether it was uh, the nightly forecast or, or a, a severe weather coverage, those kinds of things. Um, and then I just observed weather. There's no greater classroom than Mother Nature. And so the more that you observe the weather, the more you learn about it, the more you learn about the patterns and the, the behaviors and those kinds of things. And so over time, um, I just kind of combined the research with the understanding of patterns and, and that kind of seeing seasons over and over again and seeing how things act. I've not gone to school for this. I don't have the degree that would necessarily label me a meteorologist. Uh, I don't carry that title. I don't profess to, but having worked with Texas weather enough, having watched it, having studied it, having understood it long enough, uh, you know, I can pretty well look at a thunderstorm and kind of be able to tell which way it wants to go and what it's thinking and what it's trying to do just because you see enough of them, you kind of begin to understand how the air masses in Texas affect things. And, you know, you watch enough things, you can kind of start to see where, again, those, I, I use the word patterns a lot because that really does apply in a fundamental way. You, you just really begin to understand how things work. And like over time, as you're kind of taking in these resources and uh, I guess like going into this ma mass amount of research, I was wondering, like, um, I guess compared to when you're going up to like now has like extreme weather, I guess, specifically tornadoes, do, has it like been increasing or decreasing or has it always been like steady on like the, I guess, amount of occurrences with extreme weather? So I saw that you were going to ask that question. I actually just checked the climatology uh, here in Ellis County, and one would think so. I, I was born in 1991, so when you look at that period of time, it would seem to a lot of us, especially you know our generation, that things have gotten completely out of control. Because 2015, we had the tornadoes in December. Uh, we recently had a day where there were several tornadoes in November, uh, across North Texas, I'm, I'm talking about. Uh, and so, yeah, you would think that, you know, things have gotten just completely out of control. We had the two recent winters with those hard freezes. We had uh, a couple of hurricane seasons recently where we almost ran out of names. <laughs> we, we ran out of the alphabetical names. We went on to the Greek alphabet, almost ran out there. So you would think that things are completely nuts, but the thing is when you go back and actually look at the numbers, it's not unprecedented by any stretch of the imagination. It's also, it's not normal by any means, but we have had a number of different occurrences going further back. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting. I was looking at the North Texas climatology and you, you look at a span of a hundred years and the mid 1950s, all of a sudden there's this explosion of tornado reports. And that's probably due to technology or reporting methods or something of that nature. I, I couldn't quite pin down exactly what that was, 
But looking back, you know, there there's more tornadoes reported each year, it seems, or each decade, really. But really, I think that just comes down to technology and reporting methods and those kinds of things. So it's hard to make that argument. But I will say that just in general, in the past 10 years, I personally have felt like and observed that we're we're seeming to go more on the fringes more often because we've had the two freezes in Texas we've we've talked about this past summer was a record summer with record heat uh, but then hurricane season was underwhelming so you kind of get all parts all over the place and I'm not a I'm not a climate guy I'm not going to profess to be but I can definitely tell you that uh, in the last few years I personally have definitely seen, at least in my lifetime, things pushing more towards the extreme a little more often than than what we've grown up with. When you when you're kind of mentioning like the um, like the amount of tornado sightings um, and kind of like it being st- stem from, uh, I guess like the increased uh, use of data and like better access to data. It, when it comes like actual the increase or decrease of tornadoes does i guess like anything with geography ever have to do it um like with it like i was kind of curious on um you know it, why like a tornado would be more likely in one area versus another so you're not really looking at an opportunity not in our area of tornadoes being likely in one spot or another uh really when you look at changes over time there's two factors, really three factors I would consider. One is technology, because for many years, we only confirmed tornadoes by sight, right? By sight or, you know, evidence of damage. Now we can confirm tornadoes by radar. Uh, and so now that may not be included in those stats, but you can also catch those tornadoes and know where to look. A uh, number of years ago, there were fewer people in Ellis County. Uh, there were more, everything was more widespread you may not have had the amount of damage from a tornado then as you do now, because there's more population, more structures to be involved, that kind of thing. So there's definitely changes, you know, in terms of the uh, meteorological work that may impact that, but uh, geography doesn't necessarily have anything to do with it. Unless, like I say, you're talking about an increase in population. Therefore you have an increase in targets. Uh, across a geographical area that might make it easier to generally report a tornado. Hmm. Kind of earlier, you're kind of mentioning on, I guess, some of the similarities between uh, meteorologists and like storm and tornado watchers or tornado chasers. I was kind of wondering, like when you kind of like went into meteorology and kind of the study was like the idea, I guess, of being more boots on the ground or I guess like being a tornado chaser ever like in your mind or were you ever trying that out? Yes. So I, um, you know, I've taken the storm spotter training a number of years and so I'm always prepared for that. I, um, have done that a few times, gone out and done photography and those kind of things. This was before Ellis County weather started. And when I started Ellis County weather, I started doing the, you know, putting the phone on the dashboard and recording that way and that kind of thing. And just kind of trying different things out. I wasn't really sure exactly what direction Ellis County weather would go. And so I started working on outfitting the vehicle kind of, and, and familiarizing myself with the rules of the road for storm chasers, that kind of thing. But as Ellis County weather moved forward and as the following grew, 
people were more interested in having radar on the screen and somebody telling them, hey, there's a storm here. It's headed here. It's going to be here at this time. So it's hard for me to do that when I'm standing under the storm. So over time, it just became more and more popular and more in demand for me to be calling balls and strikes on the storms. And of course, now I've got this green screen behind me, which is uh, where I do most of my work. So I was prepared for that and I was ready to go that direction, but the the following and kind of the demand just pushed me in a different direction. And when you're kind of putting that, uh, the original like Twitter page for Ellis County weather together and it's kind of growing a following. So what was like the, uh, I guess the landscape like for Ellis County when it came to, I guess, like weather reporting before, uh, I guess your business came up. So Ellis County, of course, is part of the Dallas Fort Worth media market. And over time, I, I, I don't think it was quite as bad, I guess, or, or quite a, Ellis County was not uh, left out of a lot of reporting in, in older times, you know, back when I was a kid, I remember Ellis County getting a fair amount of coverage because I was always paying attention. But as time has gone on and demographics in Dallas-Fort Worth have changed, you've had more population focus in Denton and Collin counties, in Dallas itself, uh, more of that concentration there. Over time, weather reporting in that market has focused on those four counties, Dallas, Tarrant, Collin, and Denton counties. And so the joke has become for a lot of people that they don't do anything south of I-20. And Ellis County has kind of just over time been less and less included. And just south of us, we have a much smaller market, the Waco market. And there's counties south of us, Hill and Navarro counties that are on Waco's map, but don't actually get those stations. And then the Dallas media stations don't often report on them. So it's kind of no man's land out there. Um, And so every now and then I, I kind of I have to watch those counties anyway, because a lot of the times the storms I'm watching are going through there, but I'll occasionally include them in my coverage as well, because they really don't have this kind of coverage there either. Uh, Maybe even less than Ellis County, because you think about proximity to Dallas. So the Dallas stations definitely prioritize those four counties. That's their primary area. That's where the the population centers are. I can think of an example in 20, I believe it was 2019, where there was a tornado outbreak in North Texas. And there was a tornado going on up in the, I believe in the Garland area. And there was a tornado happening there. And and actually it was North Dallas. So yeah, you're talking about population center, worst case scenario kind of unfolding there. But there was also a storm affecting Johnson and Ellis counties. And there was actually no warning issued for the tornado that hit the Midlothian area. And I was watching and I was reporting on it. And I kind of felt like a guy shouting in the wilderness a little bit because there wasn't a whole lot of attention being paid to that storm. And some of the confirmation sources that I look for, storm chasers on the ground reporting on what they see, these kinds of things, uh, or, you know, sometimes the TV stations will have those resources too. I was not getting a lot of confirmation. So, you know, I, I, I see what looks like tornadic activity, but I'm hesitant to use the T word because you don't want to cry wolf. So it's just one of those things that for one, that, that whole experience taught me to trust my instincts above all else. But, uh, that was just an example where that there was a storm in that particular area, North Dallas, that had so much focus of resources and attention and, and just human energy 
that unfortunately the Ellis County storm kind of snuck by and, and wasn't really getting the kind of coverage that otherwise could have. And that's one of the examples of the kind of storms that make people turn to Ellis County weather more consistently during those situations. And as that, like, uh, as the following is billing on Twitter and you're kind of bridging this gap with Ellis County weather. So was it, and like, it kind of starts off with, I guess the original storm chasing and photography and you're kind of getting into, uh, overall weather reporting i was very curious on we're kind of we're kind of mentioning on like some of the data when it comes to like when i'm checking out your youtube channel and you're kind of doing uh you know a a precipitation forecast for the week where does that kind of like data come from is that like do specific companies uh give you that data and you kind of analyze it and you know how's it broken down There's a number of different sources when it comes to weather reporting. So really the first thing I do is I usually check and see where the National Weather Service is in terms of their reporting. They do everything from just a basic seven-day forecast to uh, they have area forecast discussions, which is a much more wordy, kind of meaty uh, report. It's several paragraphs long sometimes of, of kind of what they're thinking, what they're seeing. So I kind of start with that. I kind of, that's just kind of my, my foundation of, okay, here's where they're thinking things are kind of going in general. Then I will switch over to weather models. And there's a number of weather models. There's the American model, the European model, Canadian model, Japanese, there's a number of them. Uh, the, the example people usually think of is when you have a hurricane coming, people see the spaghetti models, right? You see this, this branching out of all these models showing where they think the hurricane's going to go. Well, we don't just use those for hurricanes. We use those for general forecasting. So what you have to do is look at these different models and they will use mathematical equations to say, we think the weather's going to do this or that. Um, Obviously, the closer you are to an event, the more certain it's probably going to be. But it's called ensemble forecasting. When you look at these different models and try to figure out where's the consensus or what is the overall trend that they're suggesting. The other part of it, too, is you kind of have to understand the the quirks of the different models, right? During hurricane season, the American model, also called the GFS, will create hurricanes like crazy, just boom, 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 over and over again. Uh, And if you believed it, we'd have 40, 45 hurricanes hitting the coast a year. You know, it's just crazy. So you have to understand some of the quirks of these different models to understand, okay, I can disregard this, I can disregard this, and this over here is going to actually maybe do this. So it takes adjustment. It takes time learning these different tools. And then, you know, there's times where I'll look at Sometimes other meteorologists see what they're thinking because they're, it's a science, right? So meteorology is a science and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm going to be right 100% of the time and that there's not somebody with a lot more experience than me that might see something else coming down the pipe that's going, "Eh, I think this for this reason. Um, You know, Evan Andrews up in Dallas at Fox 4 is uh, one of the one of the guys that I've really looked to as a kind of a mentor, because not only does he look at the science, he's not one of these guys who's looking at the prompter, just telling you what the map says. He really looks into the science and the, and the, uh, the methodology and the models and all these kind of things. And he'll actually tell you, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this. I don't think this is quite right. And here's why. So I trust his judgment. Um, now do I, you know, look to him to cover Ellis County? Like I do not necessarily, but when it comes to the forecasting and it comes to kind of the, just the general look of things, um, he's one of the best when it comes to 
looking at things objectively and, you know, not saying, well, I prefer this model. I prefer that it's, you got to look at things as they are, you got to be realistic. And so, you know, sometimes I'll watch him in the morning as well, kind of get his thinking, see where he's sitting. We, we've disagreed before, you know, he was, there are times where he'll downplay something and I'm thinking, I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I think that this might be a little bit bigger than you think it will be. And, you know, sometimes he's right. Sometimes I'm right. But, you know, we have really good conversations about kind of where we see things going, where we think things are headed. And, um, so I, you know, I try to prioritize collaboration over anything else. And so there's, there's a number of different sources out there of different things. You've got people on social media who will post one screenshot of one weather model and it may show three weeks in advance. And they're telling you it's going to snow 12 inches on February 3rd. And, and, you know, I have multiple screenshots where nothing happened. It, It showed eight, 10 inches of snow in North Texas didn't happen because it's these models that they're not using correctly, but it happens every winter. You know, we get these, these crazy models and, and, and people that post these things out there. Fortunately, it's kind of tampering down a little bit because the general public has kind of learned to disregard a lot of that. Uh, but there's, there's still plenty of people out there that do that. And, and you just, you have to understand your sources and you have to understand, um, what you're looking at and, and why, um, why different tools are used in different ways. You kind of threw out when you're kind of mentioning on, you know, he's not the type of person that's just going to look at the screen and just report it and actually wants to get into the uh, physical data and kind of uh, look at the trends. I was curious on like when it comes to the business of weather reporting, has there, is there ever like a challenge of balancing, I guess, the entertainment aspect and like retaining viewers with entertainment versus actually providing solid data and, you know, reasonable forecasts? So absolutely. But here's the thing. Um, I really haven't struggled with that that much. Um, now you mentioned in, in your email to me, you mentioned the, the, sub, the, uh, uh, Tuesday tips and Wednesday, a uh, wild weather Wednesday segments that I've done for entertainment before, uh, you know, a couple of those took off, but they weren't really getting a whole lot of attention. So I, I decided I'm going to just kind of let those go and just focus on the basic reporting, which is what has made Ellis County weather successful. Now you go to other creators. There's a guy named Ryan Hall, for example. Uh, he's kind of a nationwide guy, former broadcast meteorologist that went off on his own and created a YouTube page. And he's been very successful. Um, he, he, this is one example of, of what he's done and how, how he's kind of crossed over and more into the entertainment aspect and, and a little more of the, 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 you know, money-making aspect of this. Uh, there was a video he made several weeks ago where he said, I'm going to tell you exactly how much it's going to snow at your house. Obviously that's ludicrous, right? Obviously that's not. And you watch the video and he goes into some of the client climate prediction centers, general forecasts and those kind of things. At no point does he tell you an exact number, but what he does is in the last five minutes or so of the video, he says, what I want you to do is go and buy this yardstick with my name on it. And it's a plastic thing with his name on it. You pay 20 bucks, I think, for, for this thing. He says, I want you to put this in your yard. Tell me how much it snowed and prove me wrong. Again, he didn't give any general numbers, but he said, prove me wrong. And if you send me the picture of that, I'm going to put you in a drawing to win a thousand dollars. So, you know, he's, he's obviously, he's, promoting information that's not accurate. Uh, you look at the thumbnails on his page and, you know, there's, um, 
you know, it'll have a big hurricane logo and it'll say OMG with a big arrow at it. You know, it's this, this eye catching stuff. And so he's crossed over into, he's trying to monetize on, uh, you know, the attention grabbing aspect of this, but here's the thing. I grew up with storm anxiety and I know a lot of people now with storm anxiety, whether he intends to or not, that's playing on people's anxiety for weather, right? I mean, it's, it's getting people's attention is it's scaring people. Uh, I, the one meteorologist actually called it fear porn. And that's, that's a, a very accurate statement because, you know, he says, uh, you know, he'll, he'll have a big arrow with a big tornado and say, get ready, you know, something like that. So it's just, it's, it's just crazy. And I have had a number, a number of people through Ellis County where they tell me what they like about it is it's not sensationalized. It's accurate. And at no point do I ever try to blow it up. I've had so many people tell me that, uh, and this is really what makes my job so rewarding is during severe weather events that I'm able to help calm them down, that make them feel better, make them sleep better at night, make them feel less endangered by severe weather. Uh, and I've seen other severe weather streamers and they're, you know, hollering and they're getting all excited and getting all crazy and all these kind of things. And you just can't do that because number one, severe weather is a legitimate threat to life and property. And two, this does affect people's mental health. I've seen it. I've lived it. So yes, there is an entertainment aspect you can go into and the temptation is always going to be there. You know, I make most of my funds from advertisers, the local companies that advertise with Ellis County weather. And I'm sure they would love if I blew this stuff up. Some, some of them might, uh, if I blew this stuff up and, uh, it, it was to the point where, you know, I'm getting tons of views because there's this outrageous title on this video and they're getting more exposure, but it wouldn't be right. And, and the fact of the matter is that would probably sink Ellis County weather because I've built a reputation on being accurate, on being straightforward and focused and calm during these situations where people need life-saving information. You threw out like the term of storm anxiety, and I've honestly wanted to just kind of ask, never really heard of that term and was curious on like, I guess, how that develops and, um, you know, how that if there's any remedies for anyone that uh, I guess suffers with extreme storm anxieties. Yeah. You know, and there's different degrees of it. Um, there's people I have people that will Anytime severe weather is, is forecasted, they'll send a message every time saying, Hey, is there going to be any tornadoes? Is there going to be this? Is there going to be that? You know? Um, and you have, you know, some people that they just can't function. They just don't know what to do. And when I was young, you know, my mom tried uh, therapy and those kind of things to, to see just what would work, you know, cause it took me a long time to get past it. And so they just about threw everything at the wall, trying to figure out what in the world would help. And this is what helped me. That's not saying it's going to help everybody, but I do think that the source of, now I'm not a psychologist by any means, but uh, I think the source of most storm anxiety is the feeling that you're vulnerable and the feeling that you don't know what to do and you, you feel threatened by this severe weather. And I think that the more you can feel prepared and the more you can feel informed, I think that's probably for at least most people, the way to kind of overcome some of that. And I, and again, people have told me that I help them feel prepared. I help them feel ahead of the game so that they don't feel like they're just kind of stuck with nothing. Uh, it reminds me of a story. And this is kind of when you're talking about a background of kind of how, what 
led me to this point. Uh, when I was younger, probably, gosh, I would say it's hard. It's hard to remember how old I was. What I'll say is that this was a time when TV news stations were just experimenting with streaming and, uh, well, I'll, I'll say that this was back in the AOL instant messenger days. Let's just, let's just throw that out there. Okay. So, you know, I'm on messenger talking to some friends and then an old friend of mine who had moved to Georgia send me a message from her phone, from the little app or whatever it was. I think it was like text message or something back then. I don't remember exactly how it's set up, but uh, this was long before iPhones and that kind of thing. Uh, she sent me a message and said, Hey, I, I know you're a weather guy. I had a reputation even, even as a young kid. Um, I know you're a weather guy and my parents are at a party. Uh, my power's gone out and I hear tornado sirens. What should I do? And I'm going, I'm, in Texas, you're in Georgia. I'm not really sure what I can do. So I, I just, you know, I looked on radar and kind of got a general idea of, uh, yeah, you got some pretty gnarly storms in your area, right? So I'm kind of watching, she gave me your location. I'm getting a general idea. Um, I didn't have quite the tools I have today, but getting a general idea of what's there. And then I was actually able to tap into a live stream by one of the local TV stations and she was in an urban area. So she was getting pretty good coverage on TV. So I was able to tell her through that messenger, through the phone, what was going on. And that was the only form of communication she had. She was in her closet, you know, doing what she needed to do. And, uh, so I was able to communicate to her from Texas, watching the weather that way, what was going on. She couldn't take her TV with her. The power was out, cables out, all this, her phone is all she had. Right. And that's a common situation that a lot of people who follow Ellis County weather are in, uh, you know, you go into a, a tight space, which is usually what your safe space is, and you can fit your phone in there. You can't fit your big screen TV. There's no way these TVs today are fitting in our bathrooms. So, and, you know, even then, you know, the, the storms usually play havoc on TV signal anyway. So, uh, you know, that, that experience taught me that being informed helped her and she's a kid, right? So you have adults with, with uh, storm anxiety as well, that being informed and feeling like they're ahead of the game, feeling like there's somebody that's assuring them either it's not headed your way, or if it is headed your way, you know, to be prepared and those kind of things. Um, so I think that's probably the best recommendation that I, that I can give folks is find a good source of, of weather information and let those folks keep you informed and keep you ahead of the game. Because if you do, you're going to feel more prepared with that like topic of preparation and kind of uh, really being ahead of the game being so important on dealing with kind of the storm anxieties. I was curious, like with your series, like the tips Tuesdays, I was wondering if you ever did anything related to like, you know, the previous winter storm, um, you know, where you have like people with 48 hour, 72 hours without power like, would there be any ways to be prepared? Like if hypothetically that were to happen again in the near future? So I don't think I ever did that episode. I think that was one that, um, I was waiting for the right guest and the right preparation and it just never really came together. But what I can tell you, uh, and this is a lot of this is from personal experience. Um, I was very fortunate during that situation, but I have a lot of friends that were not, we actually hosted some friends whose home was basically inhospitable, uh, or uninhabitable, I would say, um, you know, during that time. And so the things that we relied upon, um, obviously 
answer number one from anybody and everybody is going to be a generator, right? I mean, you know, that's, that's obviously the easiest thing to say. Um, secondly, I would say, a, you know, you do want to have a weather radio. And in those situations, uh, they do have the little hand crank weather radios, right? Where you're not necessarily having to, having to rely on batteries. Uh, you know, one of those, if it's a long-term deal, might be the best option for you. The other thing too is, and I actually got a new grill out of this deal, but uh, go make sure you have a grill that's not dependent on electricity, um, a charcoal grill, or even just something basic and have meat that you can cook because we've, we've depended on electricity to cook our food for so long. You don't have to really worry about the freezer. You put it out on the front porch. It's going to be fine. That's what we did. Uh, and so, you know, if it's 22 degrees outside, you know, put the, put the chicken on the porch, it's going to stay frozen. But when it comes to actually cooking and preparing that, uh, make sure that you have a, a grill that you can cook with and that kind of thing. And, and that may be the way that you prepare your food, uh, at least the food that has to be cooked and prepared and that kind of thing. So a grill is kind of one of the unsung heroes of that whole experience, I think, um, because it really did make a difference for a lot of people. And then I would say, obviously, keep water on you, you know, bottled water, that kind of thing. Um, Non-perishable food, for sure. Just kind of keep things that are easy to just pop open and eat. If you have a baby like I do, it may not be the worst thing in the world to keep some extra formula or baby food or whatever you're using uh, just stocked up. You know, we had this latest freeze coming in and it wasn't anything anywhere near as bad, but it was a freeze over a holiday weekend. That alone can present a lot of opportunities, right? Because, uh, you have, uh, the, you know, stores are already going to be closed, you know, and, and if there's a freeze coming in, that's an incentive for, Hey, you know what, let's go ahead and close early and just, you know, bow out and be done. So for, in my mind, I'm thinking I may not necessarily have the access to baby formula that I normally would, even if this storm is not as bad. So I went ahead and picked up an extra one and, and it actually turned out to service pretty well. So yeah, you want to be prepared. You just want to have extra of whatever you know that you need. Um, and just kind of have that tucked away. And I'm not the, the prepper to the point where I'm telling you to have a go bag and uh, have an entire pantry full of non-perishables and these kind of things. I, I don't, I don't go to that point, but I will tell you that whatever you can use that's not electric electricity dependent uh, your fireplace or a grill or something to prepare food that was the biggest one that i didn't think of ahead of time that really really saved our our situation i remember like thinking after that um really that entire winter storm thinking on if, if kind of extreme weather would ever become I guess like people's talking point whenever like purchasing a home, I know like uh, I was wondering like if you did something, I guess like in your YouTube channel or any videos related to, uh, I remember I, I thought I said something about like home purchasing when it comes to like extreme weather. Yeah. So uh, my first sponsor who's still around is Jimmy Porch, a local real estate agent. And we did do that a couple of times. We kind of talked about how, um, how purchasing a home, you know, you might start asking questions about weather. One of the things that we encountered and it really made a difference to me, at least in terms of getting weather information out is making sure that you have a weather radio. If you're in a rural area, because there are plenty of places in Ellis County where, you know, you get your cell service by going outside and going out by the road and then you have cell service, right? You're not doing that during a severe storm. So a weather radio may be the only form of communication you have. If your power goes out, your Wi-Fi is gone. 
and your phone is useless, your TV is useless, all these things are not going to work. A weather radio is going to have frequency anywhere. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's one of the things that um, was brought up. And then, interestingly enough, he said something that I didn't really expect. He said, you know, you have all these really old homes, and these old homes have withstood over 100 years of severe weather in Texas. And so there's a selling point there. So I have encouraged people to ask those questions. Does this house have any kind of shelter or that kind of thing? When you're going through a house, look for that interior room, right? Uh, just make that a part of your conversation with the realtor. Uh, because, you know, we, we look for, for the storage space we want. We look for the countertops we want. We look for the, 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 um, layout and the build plan we want, all these kind of things. Uh, look for your, your severe weather plan there as well. Make sure that there's a room where you're going to feel safe. Make sure that you check the internet and check the, the cell service and these kind of things there as well so that you can try to be as informed as possible. Keep that in the back of your mind because it, you really never know when that conversation, that little bit of just extra due diligence might make all the difference uh, in your life. I remember seeing uh, when you're kind of mentioning that interview, um, you know, I was kind of able to check out some of the videos and some of the interviews you have with storm chasers, with photographers um, and just kind of other people that do work with meology and uh, with extreme weather going into 2023. Is there any, you know, big names or anyone that you specifically have thought about interviewing or, you know, that would be a goal to have on your channel? So, you know, I, I, I really felt like I hit uh, the stars pretty much when I had Warren Fadley and James Spann uh, in the past. James Spann, of course, a meteorologist in Alabama who's legendary in the business. Uh, Warren Fadley, a photojournalist that was one of the guys that inspired me to get into this to begin with. Uh, you know, I had one of his books as a kid, one of his videos, and I wore those things out. I mean, wore them out. Uh, because I, I really love their work. Uh, I'd love to talk. I, I talked about Evan Andrews. We've been batting back and forth, trying to get an interview done for weeks now. Uh, and both of us are just really busy and just never been able to make it. So eventually that conversation will happen. And that, that'll be, like I say, less of an interview, more of a conversation kind of thing. And, and there's, there's a hundred topics I'm sure we could cover. I would love to talk to Reed Timmer and Reed Timmer is a storm chaser. That's very well known. He's one of these guys, uh, I've had to talk to people sometimes about the difference between a weatherman's outlook on things versus a storm chaser's outlook. He tends to sensationalize things sometimes online, not out of an interest of making money by sensationalizing it. He's a storm chaser. So he's going to be more optimistic in a storm chaser's point of view. He's looking for where there's going to be more tornadoes. So he's going to pump that up, right? He's going to be more optimistic about more tornadoes. And that's even subconsciously going to factor into the way you communicate. Um, but I would love to talk to him because he's definitely a, a unique guy. He's a unique character. Um, as we would say, as my family would say, he's something else. Uh, and so, you know, he, he would be really interesting to talk to. And then, uh, you know, I, I love talking to any kind of uh, on-air meteorologists or National Weather Service meteorologists, these kind of guys. I don't have really any other specific names I would tell you, but for me, I love talking to people in different aspects of meteorology to kind of better understand what their role is in the bigger picture. Um, you know, I'd love to talk to somebody from Encore, for example, get a better idea of, of how they are preparing for these big freezes and kind of what the 
the daily life is there. I love to talk to somebody that's a meteorologist in an airport, talk about the unique things they have to look at. There's a number of, of really interesting folks that could contribute to the conversation overall and help not only myself, but others who follow Ellis County Weather understand how there are so many p- different people involved in this process who, uh, you know, make weather reporting what it is today. No, I mean, that's really awesome to hear. Like, I mean, as far as uh, even though you kind of mentioned on uh, really already hitting some of those key names, uh, it definitely seems like really a, a lot of cool collaborations planned out for, you know, going into 2023. Um, honestly, to wrap everything up, Kevin, I just wanted to ask if there's any other goals kind of going into the new year and, uh, you know, anything you're just kind of looking forward to when it comes to Ellis County weather. Yeah, 2023 is going to be a fun year uh, for this brand, and there's not a whole lot I can share just right at this moment. I will tell you, though, that uh, there are a number of opportunities I think we're going to be able to take advantage of in the new year to keep people informed and uh, perhaps invite a few uh, new viewers, new followers into the fold uh, and uh, get those folks involved and make sure that we're keeping as many people as possible uh, included in this. I am going to try to get more of those interviews scheduled and that kind of thing. Uh, You know, a few local opportunities coming up as well. Unfortunately, again, not a whole lot I can say at the moment, but there's a lot of work right now that I think Q1, a quarter, the first quarter of the year, uh, is is going to be really, really interesting. There's going to be some rollouts that I'm really looking forward to, and uh, hey, it's going to be it's going to be a really fun year. No, that's awesome to hear, Kevin. I honestly, just want to really just kind of thank you again for being able to come on the podcast and not just be able to kind of talk about the ins and outs of meteorology and extreme weather, but kind of everything that's, you know, been in your background and everything that led you up to um, having something like this. Uh, Yeah, I didn't know too much about, you know, some of these different cases on preparing and uh, being uh, prepared for extreme weather, but no, you're able to break it down and, uh, you know, really give a cool story. Well, I appreciate you having me on. And, um, you know, anytime you're looking for a perspective on uh, a weather event or something like that, I'm always up to an interview. So I look forward to hearing from you in the future. Awesome, ma'am. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Platinum Mask Podcast. Stay connected with us directly through theplatinummask.com. You can also join the discussion on Instagram at graymask12. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through maskgrayson at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to like and subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, raise a glass to success, no matter how you define it.